Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Netflix and Swill listeners, this is Dan, and this is about as good as I'm going to sound for the entire episode because for some reason, Audacity, our recording software, decided to pick my webcam to record from, and I didn't catch it until, you know, right at the beginning of editing. So, unfortunately, my quality is going to sound terrible, Caleb's going to sound great, but fortunately, we've diagnosed the problem, I have fixed it, and going forward, I will only sound like this, but unfortunately... For this episode, I will sound like complete and utter garbage. So I apologize in advance, and hope it doesn't affect your listening too much. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Netflix and Swole podcast. I am your host, Caleb, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Dan. Hi. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. I don't got it. <laughs> I'm not clever enough for this show. How are you? What have you got up to? <laughs> what (laughs) nah no i'm good just i don't know been feeling a little bit under the weather i got a little bit of a headache so i'm hoping that the bourbon takes the edge off of that oh but okay i was gonna say there's another solution it's just you start just cranking yourself yeah i mean i'm not gonna be like the kid in hot pot and just do it while i'm talking to you so (sighs) please (laughs) Please don't remind me of that. Oh, my God. Uh, so how's it going, man? What have you been into this week? Uh, Let's see. Obviously, I watched some stuff on Netflix. Yesterday, I got my favorite Dick Grayson story, the Batman The Black Mirror story. Uh, it's with Dick as Batman. For I don't know the whole backstory to it, but it's just like... Dick Grayson was the first Robin or second? First. It goes, First. It goes okay. Dick, then Jason Todd. Then Jason Todd. Todd. Then yeah. uh, Tim Drake, and then Damien. Okay. It's Dick as Batman because Bruce gets lost in time or something. I don't know. I didn't really read before this. I just, just like, I think I think that's what happened. So, but it's just a 10-issue arc of Dick as Batman where he's fighting, you know, kind of brand new villains to Batman's universe. And it's really interesting because it's, Probably the first time you see Dick Grayson not have recycled Batman villains, which has always been his problem, is that he never has his own compelling villains. He just has to borrow them from Batman. Hmm. Oh, other than that, I went to the Dance Gavin Dance Show on Monday. 
which you would have heard about if you listened to the Epic Film Guys podcast, which I'm sure everyone in our audience does. That was a great show. They always put on a great show. They're not too mobile on stage. They all like to kind of jam out to their music and, and stuff, but you know, they're always entertaining to, to watch, especially uh, their lead singer, Tillian, where he gets so drunk that when he sings, he gets really into it, and he actually starts rubbing himself like he's like in the shower scrubbing himself. It's really, he's really, he's really interesting to watch. Uh, and their new album just dropped today, Mothership. It's a really good album. I really enjoy it, especially the, the song Chocolate Jackalope. They always have weird song titles and extremely weird lyrics. So that's like their calling card. But it's, sounds weird. It's something I enjoy. Sweet. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone to a single show this summer yet. I need to look around because I don't even know who really I listen to that's touring or is going to be coming around. Mm. There was one just recently that I would have loved to go and see. It's uh, Watsky. Oh, yeah. And Yeah, and uh, my friend Rain went and saw that show and said it was really good. But I didn't get to go because all I really do is go to work and come home. Believe me, I know that life. But there is something coming up that I'm going to be doing that I think is really cool and that I'm really excited for. So I found out on my birthday, uh, October 29th, at the movie theater in Butler, Mm -hmm. they're doing a double feature of the Rocky Horror Picture Show and The Lost Boys. Oh, nice. And I'm fucking there. Like, those are two of my favorite movies probably, so... That'd be a real cool thing to do for my birthday. Yeah. I've not but, I have not seen either of those movies, so Oh man. I'm an uncultured swine. Me and Vanessa were talking about dressing up <laughs> as characters from Rocky Horror and going out to dinner beforehand and then going to the show. I'm sure it's it's for Halloween, so I'm sure there's gonna be people dressed up and mm-hmm. acting the whole thing out. So that's the really cool thing about Rocky Horror is that you know, going to a live show of it, and they'll usually have, like, shadow players running around, like, in costume, acting out the scenes and stuff, and they hand you, like, different props and shit. So there's a wedding scene, so everybody gets, like, a little bag of rice, and you throw the rice. And there's a scene where it's raining, so you put, like, a newspaper over your head and shit like that. Mm. So it's, uh kind of an interactive theater experience. If you ever get a chance to go and see Rocky Horror, fucking do it. It's it's so much fun and you'll meet a lot of really interesting people. Oh, believe me, I've seen I've seen the pictures. Those looks like some <laughs> interesting people. And you'll also see Tim Curry in a thong. Nice. I've always wanted to see Nigel Thornberry in a thong. <laughs> also Mr. Body in a thong. Did you ever notice like there's no movie really like i don't think i can think of one anyway where tim curry plays a good guy like in legend he's satan in rocky horror he's dr frankenfurter which i i think he's he is not necessarily the hero but he's not necessarily the villain either like i don't know he technically would be a bad guy i guess Mm -hmm. but and then of course he's the clown from it and I, I don't really think that there's anything technically, with him in it where he's a good guy. Technically, the Wild Thornberry's movie. Yeah, I suppose. I always forget that he was Nigel Thornberry, which is hilarious. It's 
it's like his it to me it's his most famous role because I haven't really seen him in much other than like Clue. <laughs> oh man, Clue is so good. That was such a neat idea for a movie too, because mm-hmm. like since it's supposed to be a mystery movie, they actually shot three different endings and randomly distributed them to different theaters. Yeah. So you could go to the theater down the street and see a completely different movie than what you just saw. Because, like, the whole third act would be different. Right. And they did that to keep people from spoiling it for each other. Yeah, people would talk about it, and then they'd go, like, and they'd be like, well, no, 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 that's not what happened in my movie. You know? <laughs> when I see it on TV, they play all three endings in a row. Like, it does, like, here's the incorrect ending, and it's like, this is white yeah, or it's weird how they do that. And then it's like another person, I forget who it is, and then it's, you know, it turns out to be Mr. Body in the end after all. Yeah. I think that my favorite Tim Curry villain was the hotel manager from Home Alone 2. That's right. I was trying to th- I was trying to think, like, <laughs> there, there's one shot, I remember one, one specific shot of him just getting in, like, the camera's face, and I'm trying to remember what it was, and you're right, it was the... No, it's, the he manager. tries, uh... Like, he looks up the credit card that the kid's using, and it's flagged as being stolen, and he's just, like, the camera zooms in on him, he's just, like, stolen, and he's all pleased with himself, because now he gets to kick this kid out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Why were those movies ever popular? Actually, the first Home Alone is pretty good. Yeah, the first one's really good. The second one is kind of like, oh... And then after, the, I think they realized after the second one, because, like, the third one did not go to theaters, it was just straight to DVD, I think they knew. Well, the third one was a different kid. Yeah. It was also, like, ten years later. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking making that. Different kid, different villains. Mm-hmm. It's Home Alone in name only. Yeah, one of the coolest things that I had when I was a kid was I actually got the Home Alone board game. And it it was really neat. Okay, I, I don't I don't remember anything other than it was the Home Alone board game, and it was really cool. Oh, see, I remember having the Home Alone game for Genesis because I was a Genesis kid, and my oh yeah, my parents hated me, so they got us Home Alone, and I could not get past the airport level, which is the first level. Like <laughs> I was just so fucking bad at it. Yeah, a lot of those games, especially the licensed games, were just borderline unplayable. Mm-hmm. That's why when people are like, man, I really like Dark Souls. Dark Souls is really hard. I'm like, but why don't you want to, like, finish a game? Like, why do you want to be stuck on the same part for hours and hours and hours? Why don't you just want to, like, move on? It just depends on your attitude. I think that you're more of the kind of person that you like to complete something. Like, the, the gratification for you is in the completion of a task. Whereas the people who, you know, those games are for are people who get gratification through, you know, learning and going through the journey and overcoming one challenge at a time, basically. So there's there's definitely a market for games like mm-hmm. that. That's kind of like how Monster Hunter is, which I actually just... I, I won't say, like, I finished it, but I got to the point in the game where the credits actually roll. Oh, okay. There's still a ton of shit to do in the game. Mm-hmm. But there's, like, four main, like, flagship monsters in it. And once you hunt all four of them and kill the final one, you know, it'll say, like, thank you for playing and roll the credits and all that shit. 
And then it drops you back into the game, and you continue to go through and hunt more things. But that game gets definitely not casual. Like, it's fucking labor-intensive. Like, to play through a typical game, just to go get... I don't know, what's even popular now? <laughs> what do the kids play these uh, days? Let me think, what am I playing? I'm playing The Witcher, Uncharted is unpopular. Or, Uncharted is unpopular. Uncharted is popular... <laughs> Rise of the Tomb Raider comes out on PlayStation 4 yeah. on Tuesday. So say, like, you go and pick up Uncharted, and you play through it, and, like, you get to the end, and you're like, all right, that was a pretty fun weekend or whatever. Or, um, or if you're like me, you go for the Platinum Trophy because, like you said, I like, yeah, I like there achieving you things, and my trophy score is out of control right now. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're always the achievement grinder. Oh, I yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like a typical game like that, you'll play through it and you'll be like, all right, that was my weekend, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. A Monster Hunter game, like, you'll play through it and actually finally be done with it. And you're like, all right, well, that was half of my life. <laughs> so It's the same thing with Pokemon. It's surprising that I like Pokemon so much, considering that is not really my style of game. But then you see me investing like 300 hours into a Pokemon game, which isn't normal. <laughs> I think that the last three, like, main Pokemon games, so, like, Pokemon Black 2, Y, and Alpha Sapphire, I've got probably around 600 hours in each of those. Yeah. Which is disgusting. Like, it makes me feel like a bad person, because I could have been taking a college course or learning a skill... You are learning a skill. It's called grinding. <laughs> I'm learning patience, yes. I guess. All right. We need to get into to Netflix and Swell <laughs> because we've, <laughs> we've done nothing but bullshit and Swell. <laughs> That's typical. Yeah. We are hashtag off the rails. Hashtag unscripted. <laughs> so I'll pitch it over to you then. What is your Swell? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? <laughs> yes. All right. Caleb, I, I I want everyone to know, and I'm going to guilt everyone into this. I spent eighteen dollars on this on this fucking piece of shit beer that I'm going to drink right now. It's called Rogue Pumpkin Patch Ale. Now it's a piece of shit only because it's a pumpkin beer, and I'm 100 sure it's terrible. <laughs> I spent eighteen dollars on this, so I would like thirty downloads on this episode, please. Fucking share this with people and make them listen, because I want to spend eighteen dollars on something I hate. Oh, uh, here we go. Actually, that's palatable. I can actually drink that, which is shocking. It's not good, but I can actually drink that. It's not like the the Weyerbacher that I have to back it up, because I still have one of those left. Because I bought this. It was eighteen bucks for like a pint. Uh, so I figure I'm gonna go through that in this episode, and then if I have any time left, I'm gonna get back into the Weyerbacher that I was drinking last week. But yeah, this is actually drinkable. So what about you? You're you're on your old crow still? Yep, I am drinking the whiskey. <laughs> Back on the bottle, as it were. I think it's going to be a, a few weeks for me with that. <laughs> How big of a bottle did you get? <laughs> that bottle's got staying power. It's like a full-size bottle, you know, it's like a regular... Oh, it's not like a juggalug of Like a fifth bourbon? or whatever. Oh. Nah, it's not like a handle, it's just, you know, the regular. But I got... I got that and I got the Jim Beam, so I'm all I'm all set for whiskey. 
Probably since I will need to get into a festive mode here at some point. I saw that Captain Morgan just came out with uh, pumpkin ball spiced rum. Ooh, interesting. So, I I assume it's really bad because it's a pumpkin spice rum, but... I don't even know, like, what the fuck would you even mix that with? Like, I, I probably, I'll probably just end up drinking it on the rocks, but usually I'll do, like, a, a Captain and Diet Coke. But with the pumpkin flavor, I don't think that would be good. So I don't know what the fuck to do with that. Yeah, I would say, you know, pumpkin spice latte or, like, that's my best guess. Like, I don't know. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I'll just soak gummy bears in it and eat them. There you go. <laughs> uh, I remember college. <laughs> All right, so there is some Netflix news I want to touch on. Uh, just like a couple of announcements and then like a small discussion. So we got the Iron Fist release date like the day after we released our episode because yeah, which is Netflix absolutely typical. <laughs> That's I I listened to that pokemon podcast and that's fucking routine like they'll release an episode and then the next day there will be some big news item yeah so that's just the way it goes yeah but uh march 17th 2017 so pretty early in the year i mean any any thoughts on iron fist and the release date i think the character is really cool you know I'm, i'm definitely looking forward to that one i've i've been avoiding most of the superhero movies yeah. Like the the only one recently that I went and saw I did see X Men Apocalypse, which was just fucking god awful. But I watched Civil War, which was pretty good. Yep. I know you went and saw Suicide Squad, which I refused because I wanted to I jump off a bridge. Go, I knew going into that <laughs> that it was gonna be Oh no, just I just chopped to shit and every time I saw a trailer for it, I'm like, Boy, this looks bad. This looks really bad, but I I'm on I'm on the Epic Film Guys episode, so I have to be on, I have to review this. So I go and I hated it the whole time, and I was like, man, I shouldn't, now, uh, I shouldn't have volunteered for that episode. Iron Fist is a really neat character, and that's that's definitely one that I'm looking forward to. So yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad for there's me space. it can't come quick enough. I'm glad there's space in between, you know, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. I'm glad they're not doing one every three months; it's one closer to every six. It's, yeah, because that's way more palatable to me than just, you know, here's one every month, guys. Yeah, I I think it's pretty cool too that they haven't introduced him in any other form, because you know ev- everybody else, like Luke Cage, already had been introduced in Jessica Jones, and mm-hmm. everybody already knows Daredevil. So this is going to be more of kind of like now that they've built up just the reputation that it's a Marvel Netflix series and that those are generally very high quality they're just kind of kind of throw him out without a whole lot of expectations I guess mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see like I said like Iron Fist is a super cool character so it'll be really neat to check that out once it hits yeah well speaking of Marvel I wanted to go into a real quick discussion before we hit our final news item. Have you seen tweets from, like, white people about the racism in Luke Cage? Or have you heard about this at all? Yeah, people... I can only imagine. People are complaining because they're like, where are all the white people? Now, white people. It's Harlem. White people. As a white person, one, it's Harlem. 
Two, it's Harlem. Three, white people don't go to Harlem. Four, it's Harlem. Like, what do you want? I honestly don't know what you wanted or expect. Man, I I more expected people to be complaining about the race switching of shades. Oh, is he was he black? Yeah, he's black in the comics. Oh, I didn't know that. And he was white or Hispanic, maybe. I don't. I don't know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell. I'm. I'm not really good at identifying race because I don't really care. Like yeah. unless it's a hundred percent apparent, it's not something I really put a lot of effort into figuring out. Yeah, unless it's like Johnny Storm suddenly morphing into a black guy, I don't really notice it. But even then, I don't care. But whatever. I mean, so white people. Get the fuck over it. I mean, think back on, you know, blackface and all that shit in the early 1900s when, like, during the whole cinema era and all that stuff, like, all the blackface. Think about that for a second. Now think of, now think about Luke Cage and realize... That you're complaining that there's not white people in it, like... <laughs> I don't... It's, it's stupid. It's just stupid. That's absurd. <laughs> it's just so bad. So dumb. Yeah. Final announcement for next week. We had Lemony Snicket in the series Unfortunate Events. Yep. Yeah, I watched that trailer. It was really cool. I'm definitely hyped for that. Hello, my name is Lemony Snicket, and once again I find myself in a dimly lit room talking to a complete stranger. The complete stranger is you. And the room belongs to Netflix, a company responsible for filming a series of unfortunate events. Under ordinary circumstances, this room would be buzzing with excitement and activity as directors, designers, stagehands, and indentured servants prepare for a dazzling season of top-notch entertainment. But the story of the Baudelaire orphans is so upsetting and so utterly unnerving that the entire crew is suffering from low morale, a phrase which here means currently under medical observation for melancholia, ennui, and acute wistfulness. Joy, joy, happiness, my fortune's about to change. <laughs> Almost everyone. So please, don't make the same mistake that Netflix has and look away before this dire tale is even filmed and avoid the cruel whimsy and whimsical cruelty of what's to come. Can you describe that to me? Because I have no notion of that book series or the old, the other movie that came out. Uh, basically, it's the story of three orphans who their parents kind of die under mysterious circumstances, but they're from a very wealthy family, so the children have a lot of money that's basically in a trust, and they get adopted slash abducted by Count Olaf, who claims that He's their long-lost uncle, and really, he's after the family fortune. So, it's it's really weird, because it's sort of a series of books about this guy trying to murder three children, <laughs> but it's also very good. Of course, there's the, the film starring Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. and... Isn't this one, doesn't this one have NPH and Patrick Warburton? Yeah, that's that's who I was trying to think of. 
Yeah, Patrick Warburton actually is playing Lemony Snicket. Oh, interesting. Because I know so he kind of narrates it. Let me let me confirm that. Okay. Because I know in Jim Carrey's rendition, he was kind of like a crotchety old man. So seeing a guy who's like middle aged is interesting. I don't know how he was portrayed in the in the book. That's interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. So Patrick Warburton is Lemony Snicket. Okay. So basically, the trailer that we got was just Patrick Warburton as Lemony Snicket walking out across this set piece and saying, you know, don't don't support this, you know, and end this before it gets out of hand because Lemony Snicket's on a series of unfortunate events is really depressing and nobody's going to want to watch it and all of that stuff, which ties in perfectly with the overall themes of the books and stuff because... You know, like, like that's the joke. Like, y- you shouldn't want to read slash watch it because it's so depressing. Mm-hmm. But it's actually wildly entertaining. Yeah, there was the um, kind of fake fan-made trailer that came out six months, six months to a year ago, I think, whenever they kind of fir- first hinted at doing a series of unfortunate events series on netflix Mm -hmm. but this is the first actual thing that they've shown from it so the series will come out next january on friday the 13th interesting i don't know anything about it and i probably won't know anything about it until i watch it yeah it'll be it'll be entertaining to kind of get your thoughts on it having no real experience with the story overall Definitely, that's one that I'm marking on my calendar. Now that we're out of news, what did you watch on Netflix this week? It's kind of funny, actually. We didn't plan this at all, but you and I, since it's October, checked out the same horror movie, which was Event Horizon. Really? You picked up Event Horizon too? Yeah, because that was one of the movies that I was planning to watch this month because I hadn't seen it. Oh, nice. So just the other day... When we got home from work, me and Vanessa watched that. And then the next day was when the Epic Film Guys episode came out. And they were going through what everybody's doing for the horror movie challenge that they're doing. And when they said your name and Event Horizon, I was like, oh man. (laughs) Like, no one's going to believe that that wasn't planned out. No, not at all. (laughs) No, Event Horizon is one of the few horror movies I have watched. I mean, I've watched the entire Saw series. I've watched the two of the VHS movies, which I'll touch into VHS, the first one. But yeah, Event Horizon is one of those ones that I watched before, and I was kind of drunk watching it, so I wanted to watch it sober and see if it held up. And it kind of does. It's it's a, it's a solid movie. I don't think it's great, but it, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely interesting because it takes a hard turn there from like full sci-fi to you know sci-fi horror. Yeah, it's it's not bad. The biggest complaints that I have about it is the the fucking intro and outro music of it. So when the movie begins, it's showing like this weird sort of black hole effect mm-hmm. that just generally looks really fake and it's playing this fucking over the top shitty techno music. And Well, Caleb, it's it the just... future. That's how music sounds now. <sighs> I don't know. I just it didn't feel like it fit with everything else in the movie. And then of course, when the credits roll, it plays like the same kind of shitty techno music. 
The other thing that would be a complaint for me is that there were a few moments where they had just really bad CGI. So when it first shows the ship kind of drifting, there's all the random garbage and shit floating around in it, like tools and cups and all kinds of shit. Oh, that was terrible. That was Just kind of tumbling around. And it's, it's so obvious that they're not real physical objects. And I'm glad that, you know, the the actual horror effects and stuff were a lot better than that. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, it was pretty good overall. Of course it stars Lawrence Fishburne who is always really good. And Sam Neill of Jurassic Park fame. Yeah. Those, these are the two movies I know him from. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen Sam Neill in anything else. <laughs> he was in, I mean, you know, like before, like in the mid nineties, they would always do like big, made-for-TV, like, event miniseries things. Mm-hmm. They would do, like, a big event movie or, like, over the course of a month or whatever, they would do a miniseries and show, like, one part of it a week. Yeah. Sam Neill did one called Merlin, where he played Merlin the Wizard, and it was about King Arthur and Camelot. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. If I ever find that on a DVD or anything, I'm going to have to pick that up. But yeah, I've never heard of that. The only the only one I remember watching was there was a Generation X TV movie, and it was actually like the X Men, except like not the well known X Men. It was kind of like Banshee. I can't, I can't honestly can't remember who else. I just specifically remember Banshee. But it's really interesting nice. to see the the X Men live action on TV. Like this was before the X Men movie even came out. So that was it was definitely interesting. I remember my dad and I both watching that because we were both into that cartoon the the 90s cartoon yeah the x-men cartoon was fucking sweet event horizon basically is a derelict ship that's kind of drifting in space so it was a ship that had disappeared i think seven years ago no in the movie way timeline way more than well are you are you saying seven years from when they launched or seven years from when they got like the ship had been missing for seven years because uh, I, I believe they that. said 2040 was when the ship disappeared, and then 2047's when the movie takes place that they get the distress beacon from it. Well, don't forget they're they're still going at not light speed, so they're not getting to that distress beacon. I think they said it took like twenty something years to get there. Hmm. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong on how that whole timeline like sticks out. Yeah, I don't know because I thought the one character was saying something about being home for Christmas, but I don't know. So they get the distress beacon from this ship that's in orbit around Neptune, and they're going to try to find out if any of the crew are still alive. And it turns out that the ship was a part of a secret project to basically make a a ship drive system that would enable faster-than-light travel by basically punching a hole through space-time and instantly appearing in another part of the universe. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening was that it worked, but they went somewhere else other than where they were supposed to go. And the crew kind of went insane and were possessed by demons and shit. So it's kind of... It's got similar themes to Doom, kind of. It's like the sci-fi horror slash demonic possession type thing. And, you know, it's driving all the crew insane. 
but what's really cool about this movie is it's actually the it's like the main inspiration for the game Dead Space, which yeah. is a really cool horror game which dropped off after the first one. <laughs> but the first one's really good. Yeah, I still have to play through that. Well, I have it on my PS3 right now, but I still have to play through that. Yeah, Dead Space is fucking sweet. The second one even is pretty good. The uh, third one, though, it drops horror completely, and it's just an action game, which is what Resident Evil did, and that's why I don't play those games anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's definitely definitely got me in the uh, Halloween mood to watch some more horror movies. So I think the next one that I'm going to be checking out that I haven't seen is Hellraiser. Oh, nice. And Vanessa's never seen The Fly, which... I think we're going to watch the 1952 original. I think the uh, the newer one with Jeff Goldblum is also on Netflix, or at least it was, mm-hmm. which I really want to try to not watch that one because I watched it when I was a kid and it fucked me up real bad. <laughs> that reminds me, the, the, mo- the first horror movie I saw was uh, 13 Ghosts starring Tony Shalhoub. Like my cousin was nice. just watching it on TV. They're not on TV, but he has it like on VHS. And we're over there, and I'm like, I'm the oldest of my family, and I'm like nine at the time. So my brother, my sister, and I are all sitting there watching Thirteen Ghosts, and it's like right at the beginning when the lawyer sets the because they're in a glass house, so he flips a switch for this glass house, and it starts to like shift and change how how, the, how it's laid out. Well. It just so happens that one of the panels comes up and slices the the lawyer in half, but not like like so his face and the back of his head are two are just two separate objects. So you actually see like the front uh, half kinda of it. like in Kung Fury. Yeah. So his <laughs> so his fi- so you see like the, the front part of him just slide down and you just see his brain. I was just like this is interesting. So there there's 8-year-old <laughs> me watching this movie as people just get completely fucked up by this house. The first horror movie that I remember watching was John Carpenter's The Thing. There you go. And that movie, still to this day, just blows me away with how good it is and how, like, what a high level of tension that they were able to create with that movie. And it's also a big part of the reason why I love practical effects so much because all of the creature effects were done by Sam Winston, who also did the animatronic effects for the first Terminator and also for Jurassic Park. Interesting. And he's done a lot of other movies too, but those were the more notable ones. Mm-hmm. But if nobody, or if anybody hasn't seen John Carpenter's The Thing, definitely check it out during the Halloween season. You'll shit your pants. It's terrifying. <laughs> I wanted to touch on VHS really quick. Uh, VHS came out in 2010, I believe, the original, and it it does feature a lot of shaky cam. Like it's almost exclusively shaky cam, so it's I don't know if you've seen it before, but you probably hate it. Yeah, I actually was editing an earlier episode, and Vanessa was watching it, so I kept looking back over my shoulder and checking it out. It's definitely pretty wild. These stories are. Uh, pretty basic in how they're in how they're written you know the first one is just a dude who has a hidden camera in his glasses and he's just trying to get like sex tapes through Mm -hmm. using that hidden camera another one is following a couple while they're on their honeymoon just kind of 
driving across the country. But it doesn't like the stories really don't get crazy until VHS two. Like the I it, it, VHS two probably has my favorite story just in general, which is there's a cyclist who has a GoPro on top of his helmet, and zombies attacked, and he gets bitten by zombies, so he becomes a zombie. So it's just <laughs> following him around as he's a zombie, you know, going about nice. going about the zombie business. So it was real. That was really interesting to watch. And then it has the most fucked up story, which is where this news team goes and visits a, um, I think, Chinese cult. And I, and I don't want to get in, into that one any further because you just need to watch it. But holy shit, that one is absolutely great. Yeah, I like that too, since it's kind of that anthology format, because I always really like those movies, like Little Shop of Horrors or Creep Show mm-hmm. or Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. Or, uh,. The Twilight Zone movie is also very good, so I definitely, I definitely dig the anthology formats. But but can the anthology format <laughs> outweigh the shaky cam? That is the question. I don't know. I I mean I was okay with it turning into a fucking narrative show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. From what I saw of the first VHS. It didn't seem as bad, but there are instances I mean, where it's, it's you know, pretty bad. You know how much I fucking abhor shaky cam. Yeah, I I don't know if if the anthology format would outweigh the whole shaky cam format for you. I don't I don't think it. For me, it does. I just I like it. I don't. This isn't one of my favorite horror movies. You know, VHS is just kind of really fucked up at times, and that's that's kind of what I look for in horror movies around Halloween time. It's just movies that are just totally fucked up. And this is one of them, so. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to try to find a copy of Creepshow and watch that sometime this month. But anyway, I think that we've gone on long enough with our intro segment here, so we're going to cut into a quick promo break, and we'll be back with our main topic of discussion, the Netflix original film, Ark. All right, D-Joker podcast. Yeah, I'm waiting. We're doing a promo. Oh, shit. Hi, everybody. This is Knock. I'm Wave. Ra ra. And listen to us on the Geek Yoga Podcast every Wednesday. Yeah. Wait, Facebook? Yes. You Facebook. can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geek Yoga Podcast and on Twitter at Yogurt Podcast. Spaghetti! Just Yogurt Podcast? <laughs> yes, at okay. Yogurt Podcast. At Yogurt Podcast. Yay. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> I wanted to cut a damn promo. Well, fuck you then. <laughs> together two hours ago. Listen to this song I wrote for you. I'm a dick, I'm a dick, I'm a useless dick. Everybody hates me. Batman sucks a lot of dicks. Dick, 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 dick. I slept for two hours on a pot roast so you could come in here stumbling drunk. Oh, a pot roast, huh? And what are we going to eat it with? A fork and a knife? Knives are tiny swords, Flora. Knives are tiny swords. What has gotten into you? It's not what's gotten into me. It's what's gotten into the world. I don't know what they want anymore. I don't know what I want anymore. I don't understand! Are you trying to say you don't love me anymore? How can I love somebody 
when I can't even love myself! <sighs> hey, welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our Netflix original of the week. And that is the Netflix original movie, ARK. A-R-Q. So let me give a quick plot summary according to Netflix. Earth's future depends on a new technology, but the path to survival has a twist. Time's not up, just in pieces. Yeah, so this was a really interesting movie for me. It It's about time travel. It's kind of a home invasion movie. It's thematically very similar to the Tom Cruise film Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, I wrote that down immediately because I was like, hmm. This is very interesting. Yeah, which I still haven't seen, but I really want to see that movie. Yeah, right? Netflix, get on that. I was really excited whenever I started watching this movie, and it shows the two main characters, and I was like, holy shit, that's Robbie Amell. He was Firestorm in the Flash series, and he's the younger brother of Stephen Amell, who plays the Green Arrow in that CW show. No, no, wait. When they when they do Legends of Tomorrow, how do they explain that they look almost exactly the same? Do they just look at each other and like, hmm, you look really familiar, and then just leave it at that, or what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they've really mentioned it. Hmm. But uh, Green Arrow's not in Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, he is At isn't? least not as... Yeah. And actually, the guy who's Firestorm in that is a different person, so neither of them are in that show. It's kind of weird. Weird. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow, it's its its own thing. It doesn't really... Like, there's crossover with the other shows, but those characters aren't in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Robbie Amell is the main guy in it. The main woman in it is Rachel Taylor, who played Trish in Jessica Jones. Yeah, so this continues my theory that Netflix just has people contracting, just like, hey, <laughs> you're going to appear in this, and they're just like, uh, okay, I guess. Yeah, I liked both of them a lot in this movie. It's it's got a lot of elements that I think make a good film that you know it's a it's a single location film so it all takes place in his house mm-hmm. which you know is especially for like a horror slash thriller movie that's like the single location movies that that usually works very well to drive up the tension so like movie I watched recently don't breathe. Yeah. Would fall under that category or to an extent the original Alien because at least the part where they're all on the ship trying to leave and everything when most of the actual action happens, but yeah, usually like that's a a pretty decent vehicle for driving up tension is to do the single location mm-hmm. in my opinion anyway. I mean, uh, let's let's, let's get really get like dive into this. I didn't like this as much as you did. Like you're you re- you enjoyed this a lot. I just thought this was solid. Yeah, I I like this movie a lot. Yeah, I just thought it was solid. You know, I thought the performances were solid, but nothing stand out. I mean, the the whole single location is fine. I like the I like that. It's just a home invasion. But then once we get into the meat of it, it's kind of like there's no real stakes. When you have a home invasion, typically you're like, oh shit, if I die, that's it. Well, with this, and you find this out in like the first 15 minutes, this is really some spoilers, but whenever Robbie Amell's character dies, he just kind of wakes up after his death and time replays. So it's like, you know, Edge of Tomorrow or Groundhog Day where you just, it's 
the beginning of his day again. So, I mean, there's no, it doesn't feel like there's any real stakes to the whole thing. It's just like, hey, if I die, it's just like, I die and I come back. It's like a video game. Yeah. Well, the central plot basically is he created this machine called the Ark, which is basically an, an infinite energy generator. It's a perpetual motion machine, so it generates power while also powering itself, which is something that, you know, that's been a myth forever, and it's kind of the, like, the holy grail of engineering yeah. is to be able to achieve this. So, basically, he creates this machine, which, you know, as far as he knows, it's just a power generator. What ends up happening is the machine is also resetting time. So whenever his house is broken into, one invader, like, actually touches the machine and it electrocutes him, kills him instantly. But it also kind of... It starts a time loop. It, uh, well, it actually, like, the fuel cell and the machine got separated. So every time the fuel cell drains, it resets. So it's not generating infinite energy it's using the same energy over and over Mm -hmm. and like resetting time so it can keep doing that so they go through a series of different days and each time he learns a little bit more and tries to do a little bit better and try to save or shut off the machine and you know keep these people from hurting him and his love interest i guess i from what I understood, yeah, it was like his girlfriend weird... or his wife. I don't. I don't know. It's it's kind of like they had been together, and then it's like a dystopian future. So she had been captured by, I guess, this company, which is kind of the de facto government in this future situation. It's after some sort of, you know, apocalyptic disaster, where this company became really powerful and they have their own private military and they're trying to take control of everything. And he had been an engineer for them. So the people that are breaking into his house are sort of a rebel faction that they're trying to get different things from his house. And then as Hannah, the girl, kind of finds out what this machine is and she starts remembering it too... She's trying to get him to give the machine over to the resistance because then they can use it to reset time. Anytime they would lose a battle, mm-hmm. they can just play it over again and keep doing that until they win. What kind of turns out, like, what they first expect is just generally, like, a really powerful machine ends up being kind of the ultimate weapon. Yeah. But then the kind of you know, existential dread of it comes in when they realize that they've been looping in time a lot more than what they can even remember. Because, like, whenever one character, something significant happens to them, they'll start to remember whenever the timeline resets. I, I think, and it's not really explained in the in the story, but I think it's whenever someone comes in contact with the arc. I think so. That's what I, that's what I think it is, because... When she starts to remember, it's after she came into contact with the Ark. And then when random guy number one starts to remember, he he came in contact with the Ark the time before. Yeah, there there was a lot of different things that really worked well for me in this movie. 
I like that it's a dystopian future movie, but rather than show you that or just kind of give like a background description or anything, they like you kind of just learn that through different characters talking to each other while the overall plot of the movie is unfolding. So they don't really throw it like in your face like, oh, this is the wasteland, like everything's bad. It just, it all happens in his house. Yeah. And then they kind of just, you kind of piece it together. Yeah, I kind of don't like that. You know, I I like to be shown a little bit. Like, you don't have to give me 20 minutes of dystopian future setting. Just give me like five. Just give me five minutes, like at the beginning of the movie. Like, you don't even have to explain it. Just like, I don't know, send Robbie Mel on a task or, like, have him come back home from, like, a day of work or whatever uh, through this dystopian yeah. wasteland. I don't know. I, I I didn't really get a sense of it until, you know, they they go outside near the end of the movie and it's just like, oh, okay. So everything's, like, fucked. Like, you weren't kidding. Everything's fucked. But I would have loved, loved to know that, you know, an hour and ten minutes ago. Like, I understand that you think it's fucked, but I would like to see that it's fucked. Yeah, I don't know. It's f- for this particular film, I thought it worked really well and kind of reminded me of one of my favorite films from this year, which was 10 Cloverfield Lane, mm. where, you know, she only really gets outside right at the end and is like, "Oh shit, like things really are bad out here." Yeah, true. Cuz that's the whole dramatic tension throughout the movie is that you don't really know if this event even happened, like if if it is inhabitable outside. Yeah, but I feel I feel like the difference between those two is that everyone telling you in this that, you know, it's it's totally screwed up outside. It's just basically one guy in 10 Cloverfield Lane just kind of trying to control the situation the best way he can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like the the movies are very different and feel very different, but it, it, there's a a similar sense of isolation. I guess. And I, I think that's why 10 Cloverfield Lane resonated with me more than Ark did, at least in the dystopian kind of landscape, is that yes, at the end of the movie we, we eventually do see the landscapes, but in Ark, you're constantly, you're not constantly, but you're reminded enough that it's pretty fucked up out there and it's not just one person telling you that. It's Robbie Amell, it's Rachel Taylor, it's the three dudes who invaded this house. They're all telling you how fucked up the world is, as opposed to just John Goodman telling you how fucked up the world is. So, I mean, <laughs> I just... For whatever reason, I, I just couldn't get past that. I wish John Goodman could come to my house and remind me constantly of how fucked up the world is. Eh, you might start doing that soon. Uh, <laughs> one one little Easter egg I wanted to point out. Uh, whenever, whenever they're looking through the time logs of every time the arc is reset time very interesting thing time resets every pi hours so it actually resets every, oh, that's really every cool. 3.1415 hours like when he says that i'm like hey that's pi like because like I, <laughs> I didn't even catch yeah, that when, like i had like in high school i had the ti83 plus calculators and i'd always have the pi button so i could learn like the first nine digits of of pi just so like 3.1415928 i think I can't remember anymore, but when I, I heard when I heard him say 3.1415, I was like, holy shit, he, he, that's pie. That's fucking pie. 
I, I kind of geeked That's out. That's really clever. That was that was probably as a science dork. That was probably my favorite little Easter egg in there. Yeah, that's really cool. The the one interesting thing about the movie that I really liked was that instead of it being like Groundhog's Day and Edge of Tomorrow, where Edge of Tomorrow like people are, are keen into from what how from what I understand they're keen into the fact that Tom Cruise is repeating the same day over and over again, so they actually understand that that's happened and is happening. But they don't. They're not experiencing the same day over and over again. And then you have Groundhog's Day, where only Bill Murray knows that he's repeating the same day over and over again. So, like when you first see the Robbie Mel is like learns he's repeating the same day over and over again, you're like, oh, well, here we go. It's just gonna be one guy understanding it, and then we start getting, you know, all, just about fucking everybody understanding they're repeating the same day over and over again. So I thought I th- I felt that part was interesting where, you know, there there aren't constants like there is, there are in Groundhog's Day. It's, hey, I know what's going on, and so does she, and so does that guy, and so does that guy. So, what could they possibly do? Like, there's actual variables. So, it's it's really interesting all the permutations that could happen, for that instance. Yeah, it was really interesting watching this movie where you know, a different character would kind of start remembering things and then they would start kind of being more of a wild card where the first few loops, you know, everybody behaved in a pretty predictable way. Mm-hmm. And then other people start remembering the loops and then, like, all hell breaks loose. So I guess to close this up, were you satisfied with that ending? Yeah, Vanessa watched bits and pieces of it with me and she did see the ending she was like oh god damn it like they didn't resolve anything you know but i i liked the ending a lot like i like that they kind of left it up in the air mm-hmm. and they were like well let's just go through it again and give it another shot to get it right you know yeah i just it, at the very end it seemed like the woman realized like when she woke up like what happened because what happens at the end is that, and this is full spoilers here. Uh, what happens at the end is that, you know, they decide they want to reset the arc. Like, after the arc was reset, they kind of have to die. But because the arc was reset, they're going to forget everything that happened in the past. And that's why there's this recorded video of uh, Robbie Amell kind of trying to warn his future selves that, hey, this is what you should be doing when. All this shit goes down. They, the arc resets, and then it turns out that the woman wakes up from the quote-unquote nightmare first, because she wakes up mm-hmm. like in a, in a huff. So it it's different than how the movie started, so it's interesting, like, why does she remember, but he doesn't at that point? Like, what, what, like, this is like, well, what happened that time? Like, what happened that time to make her remember? So, I don't know. It... There were interesting parts to this, but I just... I don't know. There's actually another really cool bit of trivia for this movie. The the one invader, like the one bad character, mm-hmm. Sonny, um, he gives his code name as Ouroboros, which is the ancient symbol of the snake eating its own tail, and it symbolizes the infinite cycle of death, rebirth, and life. Oh, wow. And... 
kind of destruction and creation over and over. So I thought that was a really cool little thing that they threw in there. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch the pie thing, so. There's that puzzle piece thing again. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. You get you get the literary references and I get the map. Holy shit. It's like it's like it's... you're a little bit left brain, I'm a little bit right brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit Donnie, you're a little bit Marie. I'm a little bit country. Oh god. <laughs> so yeah, let's get into final ratings. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about. No. For me, arc four stars. Four stars. And you don't yep. you do not go below I, four stars on Netflix stuff. I I enjoyed this movie a lot. I definitely would recommend it. Yeah, and while I enjoyed the movie, I there there are just some issues you know eventually it just became it, like eventually there start to be stakes again but to the first half of the movie there are just no stakes and that's that's kind of that kind of threw me out of it where it's just like 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 for the first 10 minutes it was like oh shit these guys could actually die like and i don't because I, I don't know what happens and then robbie mel gets shot and then he wakes back up and he's alive again so it's like all right why do i care what he does and then once uh once Sonny realizes what's happening, it's like, okay, now there's stakes again. So there's like 40 minutes of the movie where there's just no stakes. So I just, I just couldn't get past that. Overall, I, it, I think it's solid. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's good. I just think it's a solid movie. And if you're a sci-fi person, this might be for you. And if you can get past the whole fact that there's, or at least in my opinion, that there's no stakes for half the movie, you probably might like this. So... I'm moving up this a three stars out of five. Yeah, I think I just kind of interpreted it a little differently that, you know, kind of the the stakes were that there is a fate worse than death, like being trapped in this root in trapped in this loop ad infinitum, you know, mm -hmm. would be worse than just outright dying. But I can see I can see that interpretation. But that's our our thoughts on Ark. So we're going to cut into another quick break, and we will be back with our one-star movie, Most Likely to Die, from Mar Vista Entertainment. I can't believe I picked a fucking Mar Vista movie. <laughs> like, we, we're not even meaning to pick Mar Vista movies. We'll just pick a movie and start playing it, and then the Mar Vista logo pops up. Motherfucker, it's, it's like, Mar Vista! God damn it! <laughs> this is, what, our third Mar Vista movie? Yep. This is number three. Out of eight episodes. Uh, well, nine at this point. Math. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we'll catch up with you guys in a little bit. Yeah. What's up, guys? Be sure to check out Now That I'm Older on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. Me and Kenny sit down and talk about how getting older sucks, but can be awesome at the exact same time. We also look at pop culture, review a few movies, share some personal stories, and just basically poke fun at the world around us. Be sure to check out Now That I'm Older on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. Oh, vengeful God, why have you betrayed me so? Hey, fuckface, stop. Carlton, but you died in the mayor's car bomb. Yeah, look at me. I'm glowing. I'm a fucking ghost, you idiot. Uh, uh. Just let me die in peace. 
I can't let you do that, Trip. It's not what God wants. Yeah, he's a big fan of yours, you know. Really? He even wears one of your t-shirts. You know the one with you flipping off the sword? And on the back it says, swords are really fucking gay? He didn't think it was homophobic? No, he knew you were kidding. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, it's time to dive into our one-star review. Not literally this time. Yeah, not a mermaid movie. Although I did pick it again, which is weird. I don't know why the month of October has me all inspired and shit, but... Yeah, I picked this one. Uh, this one is called Most Likely to Die. And if you remember your yearbooks, this is, like, superlatives. So, it's kind of what it's based off of. Uh, quick Netflix, Netflix description. They expected a night of laughs, drinks, and nostalgia. They didn't expect it would be the last night of their lives. Well, Caleb, I messaged you about two minutes into my viewing of this and said, I don't, I, I don't want to yell it, but I went, no, <laughs> fucking Mar Vista again. <laughs> no. I don't know how we keep picking their movies. <laughs> I, so this is a Mar Vista Productions movie again. This is the third I, one I we've done. I swear they're not paying us yet. Oh my God. Can you imagine? If they pay- if we became Netflix and Swell sponsored by Miller Lite and Mar Vista. Oh my god. <laughs> I'd have to stop doing the show because I, I couldn't fucking take it. <laughs> Quick go through the plot. We start with... It's actually similar to uh, Killer Mermaid in that the two characters we first see in the movie are in the movie for about five minutes in total. So it, it seems like they're way more important than they are, but... They just kind of exist. So we have, I, I think his name was Ryan. Uh, Ryan Yoder, that was his name. Uh, he's a former NHL player, and he's... And I took a special note of this because I'm a hockey fiend. So I I was like, I want to know everything about this character that I can. So uh, he apparently hurt his knee in, in uh, the season or something like that. I, I don't remember when he hurt his knee, but he got cut from the New York Rangers. It doesn't actually say the new york rangers because apparently it's like trademarked or something but uh it references the nhl and it references him playing ottawa so that can only be one thing and it's the new york rangers uh, especially when they talk about winning the championship in 1994 and blah 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 sorry whole whole hockey aside that i could just stop so he's a former nhl player hurt his knee uh, and he gets cut by the Rangers, and it, it, he's shown like cutting out an article in a newspaper, and I stopped it because I wanted to actually read the article. The article is actually the same thing, copy and pasted twice. So it's two <laughs> columns. It's two columns with a story, and it's actually it's a, a total of four columns, but the the, the story is two columns. So they took the two, the two columns and then copied it over to the second time, because they didn't think I would exist and want to read this story to actually see if he was actually <laughs> playing for the New York Rangers. They could have used. I want to point out the New York Rangers definitely could have used this guy, because they were bad in the playoffs. But yes, I just I I can't believe I can't believe that they. They copy and paste the article twice. That just, that was mind-boggling to me. That's pretty funny. So yeah, 
he's talking to uh, a girl he had a thing with in high school, uh, and she's coming up to, quote-unquote, get her brains fucked out or something like that. I don't know why I said quote-unquote, because <laughs> that doesn't make sense. So he goes in hiding, apparently, and she starts looking around the house, and she's like, hey, I want you to fucking ravage me or something. Like It's just like, no human says that. Like, I don't... Do you... Well, not in your experience. Especially not in my experience. <laughs> but eventually she, she comes across our killer who is a masked person with... Uh, it's a paper mache mask with the word die written over top of it. Or on the, the forehead. And he's dressed in graduation gown. So what happens is he like like... He traps her around the ankle and then pulls her into this outhouse. And then we don't see her for like another 30 minutes in the movie. So it's just like, so we just got introduced to these characters and we're not going to see them again, right? And that's exactly that's what happens. just a thing. I, like, I, I guess that just happens a lot in these kind of movies where like the opening just shows a character getting killed just so that, you know, it's a movie about people getting killed. But we, but here's the thing: we don't see her getting killed. Like unlike Killer Mermaid, where we see the chick get impaled, we just see her get pulled into a fucking outhouse. That's it. Like we don't see her actually getting killed. We, it's just implied. So I mean, I, I guess the overall messaging is fine, but it's just like, do you want us to know what this killer does or not? Because I have no idea. Like, who the fuck knows how this guy kills people? Yeah, and like each. Each death is kind of like what their superlative was. So, like, the one girl was most likely to see her name in lights. So she was strung up in that shed with fucking Christmas lights wrapped around her with, like, a sign with her name hanging on it. Yeah. So. I don't know. There's not a whole lot that I can really say about this movie because I had a really bad headache while I was trying to watch it and had a hard time focusing on it. So it's just, it didn't seem, you know, awful. No, just kind of generic and like not maybe so much as an outright bad movie as just a boring movie. Yeah. But the one thing that I noticed from it is the main girl is Heather Morris who played Brittany in Glee. Yep. I, I know that because I date people, not, <laughs> like, I'm not just, I know, I know this is, like, the second time that I've brought Glee up on this show, but. <laughs> At first, I thought it was, like, a swing at me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to keep bringing it up and be, like. You know, I, I'm just like, no, no, I swear, like, I just, I just happen to know this. Like, I swear, I don't watch Glee on purpose. <laughs> it just happens to be on, and I can't find the remote. <laughs> she looked really familiar. I was trying to find out where, where I, I've seen her from, and none of the movies that were in her IMDb look familiar. Like, I've never seen Glee, so I, I don't know where I know her from, but... She just looked extreme. Like she kind of looked like budget Kirsten Dunst. That's the vibe I got from her, but I could be wrong. You could, <laughs> I don't know. You could, you could, you could um, see a totally different in, celebrity. She was in Insidious Chapter Three. Oh, see, I've never seen any Insidious movies. Uh, I thought maybe that was where you would know her from. I don't know. Hmm, I don't know. 
we we get fucking Perez Hilton, probably one of my least favorite celebrities of all time, just because he's so fucking obnoxious. Like my mom listens to his podcast, and I have to hear that whenever she's just doing fucking chores around the house, and it's just like I'm trying to eat, and there's Perez Hilton talking about fucking nothing again. So he made this movie fucking great. I'm actually. Trying to confirm. I think I lied. I don't think that she was in no, Insidious she w- 3. Oh, I was going to say, she was definitely in Glee. Yeah, because there's just a picture on her IMDb page of her standing in front of a bunch of shit that says Insidious Chapter 3. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. It doesn't credit her as an actor in it, so... I don't know. Interesting. Apparently we get fucking Gary Busey's kid in this movie, too. Who's the <laughs> who's the fucking redneck who likes to watch women change through the window or something. And somehow that isn't made a bigger deal out of. You know, like, he's he watches the supermodel girlfriend gets fucking changed from, like, from her bikini into regular clothes. And it's just like, well, I guess that's not a big deal for you people. It's just her getting naked and being watched. But you can totally tell that's Gary Busey's kid. (laughs) I'm Gary Busey. I'm frequently aggressive in situations that don't call for it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it it goes about like your, your typical horror movie, you know, we, we get the killing in the first five minutes, and it actually is set up very, extremely similar to similarly to Killer Mermaid, where nothing really happens for the next 30 minutes, I guess. Like, this is actually a really short movie. It's like 80 minutes. So, like, they actually cram a lot of stuff into this, but it, I, I don't understand how an 80-minute movie can be dragging at points, and it does, like... You know, for, th- for the next 30 minutes of the movie, it's just like, hey, we're going to talk and we're going to hang out and we're going to learn backstory people. And it's just like, well, fucking do something. I don't yeah. know. That's that's why I just wasn't really that interested in this movie. Because it's supposed to be like a class reunion mm-hmm. and about six people show up for it. Well, I think this is a pre-party. Like I, I, They even yeah. say it's a pre-party to, to the class reunion. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, like I didn't even it didn't even register with me that that's Jake Busey. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm like I, I saw. Like, I think I think this is the first thing that I saw him in since Starship Troopers. Oh, he's in Starship Troopers. Yeah, he's like one of the main guys in that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I saw Jake Busey, and I'm like, huh. I wonder if that's Gary Busey's kid. And then I see him in the movie, and I'm like, oh, that's totally Gary Busey's fucking kid. <laughs> I mean, they're they have the same teeth. So. Oh yeah. So, I mean, people die in this movie. What, what what more do you need to know? It also contains arguably the worst sex scene in movie history. <laughs> Where the fucking chicks just getting railed and making like the stupidest sounds. And, and uh, it doesn't even look like. Full disclosure: It's been a while since I've had sex, so I. I... <laughs> Te- te- techniques 
Techniques could have evolved here. Uh, you know, people might have learned stuff from... Like, there might be new pornos out that, uh, that give out, like, new advice or whatever. I don't know. But this looks like no sex I've ever had before or ever seen before. <laughs> so... It, it looked like they were fighting. Yeah! Like, it was like, I'm going to fight you with my penis. And she was just like, okay, <laughs> allow me to just position myself here and... Okay, you're in. All right, fight. Go. Oh, what a Round one. two, start. Finish him. <laughs> what a that we- means two things. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a weird sex scene. Like I just that was yeah. so strange. It was yeah, it was really bizarre. The only other notable thing about the movie was that the killer was using his graduation cap as a weapon. Which, yeah, like he threw it and it had like a blade on it. I don't know. Yeah, he he kills he kills the chick that was getting railed by slicing her throat with it, and he decapitates the supermodel girlfriend with it. Like he partially decapitates her and then I I think he pulls her head off, which is fucking. That's probably the most brutal part of the movie right there is when he pulls the fucking supermodel's head off. Like that was fucked oh, yeah. up. Like I said earlier with VHS, I'm into the super fucked up stuff. For my Halloween movie, so this was kind of right up my alley, which is why, you know, this isn't a terrible movie to me. But, you know, throughout the entire movie, we're led to believe that it is that our killer is the the former hockey player who has just gone nuts because he got cut by the New York Rangers, although they're just the Rangers. Well, it turns out it's the what the fuck the class clown was that it the class clown was was the killer. Yeah, it was basically like they all had, like, when they were in school, like, ruined this kid's life, basically, by just, like, fucking with him. And then they got him, like, expelled from school because somebody put a gun in his locker or something like that. Yeah, the hockey player put a but gun in his locker because it didn't... because of that whole yearbook thing. So the reason the reason the killer wears a mask it, uh, with dye on top of it and, like, Scratches through the eyes and the mouth is because that's how they doctored up that kid's yearbook picture. So it's reminiscent of that. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but it, it turns out that, you know, the guy who actually was doing the killings was, like, he met up with that kid years later and became friends with him. And the the guy ended up killing himself. So he decided to kill all of his former classmates to kind of get retribution for this kid because he felt bad about it. Which I I think was probably the most interesting part of the movie. Like, that whole thing. Because it's like, okay, well, it's either the hockey player or it's the kid come back for retribution and it turns out it's neither. It's just, like, the po- possibly the person you least expected. Yeah, I don't know. It was... It, it's definitely... I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than Cowboys versus Dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But, but but telling through your sign, you're you're still not too keen on this. Yeah, that's like I said, it wasn't really bad necessarily, just boring. Yeah. Like I I probably would have rather been doing just about anything <laughs> than watching this movie. <laughs> All right, so let's, I mean, unless there's something else you want to talk about, I'm I'm out of talking points for this movie. Yeah, that's. There's not really a lot for me to talk about with no. this. Like I said, it's 80 minutes and in 30 minutes of it somehow happens to be boring. So you have like 50 minutes of content that's actually like 
mildly interesting. But let's get into ratings really quick. Caleb, what did you what did you say for most likely to die? One star. What do you think? I don't know. You know. <laughs> That's the segment. I mean, I'm gonna rate it. I'm gonna rate it two stars because I don't think it was. I don't think it was terrible. Yeah. I just don't. I would. I would give it maybe like a one and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like. It's it's not unwatchable like a no. lot of these are. It's just really bland. It really super generic, kind of boring at the beginning. But I thought it was okay enough to watch. If you have never watched it before, like I'll never watch it again. But I I think this is something you can, you know, say to your friend, hey, if you're looking for a mediocre horror movie, here's something for you. Yeah, it's fun. It's something that. I would be all right having on in the background at like a Halloween party or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. So before we get out of here, we got a new iTunes review. We did. Caleb, we're quickly on the way to 10. We are just climbing the ladder to stardom. (laughs) (laughs) So this is from Jamie HS. Uh, but but Jamie HS is from the Mockers podcast. Uh, Jamie's the producer, so I really appreciate. Okay, awesome. Really appreciate you listening, man. Yep, it's a great podcast. Five stars. These guys do a great job with the show. They keep you well informed of what's available on Netflix and tell you what's good with the reviews. Very entertaining. So thank you very much for that. That definitely means a lot to both of us. Yes. Especially because only one half of us is entertaining. <laughs> yeah, half of me is really boring. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for uh, anyone who's keeping score, that's three out of the ten that I wanted to try to get by the end of the year. So please hop over to iTunes and throw us a review. That's definitely that's just a real cool thing to do like it's just a really cool nice thing to do to to listen to (laughs) this shit that we're making and and maybe tell us how we're doing and and maybe share it with somebody and that's just that's just great uh really quick recent feature that was just added to facebook you can now rate us on facebook as well if you feel like it Preferably, we'd rather have the iTunes review if you were going to pick one or the other. But Because you can't listen to the show on Facebook. No. But, let's not forget, you can just copy and paste whatever you put in the iTunes review onto Facebook. Just review us there. So, I mean, it's not that, it's not that much work, let's be honest. It'll take five minutes. Come on! <laughs> I mean, I'm walking here. I mean, I'm just sitting, but... You know, I'm walking here. God, we don't invoke grass. That. Tastes bad. We don't invoke that show enough. <laughs> so, Caleb, I want to talk about what people can look forward to next week or this coming Thursday is mascots on the 13th of October. Mascots is finally coming to Netflix, and I believe we would like to do that as our main topic for next week. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. 
So yeah, if you guys are interested in hearing about mascots, listen in next week. God knows what the fuck I'm, we're going to be watching for the one-star review. We don't, we don't plan it. It's just kind of like... Like, for me, it's like I look at, like, anything on Netflix. Like, right now it's horror movies. Like, I'm trying to keep it horror movies for the month of October. So I'm looking at horror movies and I'm like, hmm, this looks terrible. Let's watch, let's watch this. So that's how I've come up with both Killer Mermaid and fucking Most Likely to Die. <laughs> yeah, m- most of the time for these, that's my discovery process. I'll just be flipping through shit and I'm like, wow, this looks awful. Which is, I'm going to watch it. Which is why we, we you and I have both created sub-accounts called Netflix and Swill. So that way we, we don't yeah. have our main accounts being fucking flooded by these terrible, terrible movies. Cause, yeah, because I'm tired of my personal, like... Netflix queue being flooded with categories like because you watched Avalanche Sharks, because of your interest in Killer Mermaid, like I, uh, I've I've a hard enough time trying to find stuff that I actually want to watch in my free time. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Well, let's get out of here. Yeah, I think we've yeah. I think we've talked enough. Yep. So where can our listeners find you, Dan? They can find me at Dan of Action on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can find me on Twitter at C underscore LEB 2021. And at your mom's house fucking your girlfriend in the ass. That, and that, that doesn't make sense. Why would, why would your girlfriend be at your mom? Why would their girlfriend be at their mom's house? They're friends. Now, are you double teaming them or... No, her mom stepped out for a minute. I don't know. Yeah, you can find me on on Twitter <laughs> at c underscore leb twenty twenty one. That's the only place you can find me. <laughs> I'm very mysterious. <laughs> oh fuck. You can find the podcast, as we mentioned before, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play Music, and on Podbean, our podcast providing service. Like we also said before, please read us on iTunes and or Facebook. And we stress the and because you can just copy and paste reviews. It's not that hard. I promise. Control C, control V. That's how you do it. I love you. Yes. Caleb, you're my puzzle piece. I love you, Dan. <laughs> you complete me. I did complete your puzzle last week. Or two weeks ago. I, did. I don't I don't know what it was about you being here, but I had that fucking jigsaw puzzle sitting on my coffee table for about two months. And like we were getting ready to watch Hotbot and I just started banging it out and <laughs> fucking built that whole thing. That was the only thing being banged out. <laughs> so you wanted to prepare yourself to not see any banging on screen. It was really interesting because because we we warned Nick halfway through the halfway through the commentary to not watch this, and he of course he doesn't listen to us. But he's he's like this was like the most thinly veiled anti sex movie, and I'm just kind of like did like did you even think about that? Because I didn't think about that at all with that movie. Yeah, because it was like. 
it it had like weird like Christian like kind of abstinence like that kind of message. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was really weird because it's a movie about a sex robot. Yeah. And obviously, like, there's some explicit content on it. Yeah, like but the fucking dildo. Overall, the theme was that you should wait until you're married. I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. I'm I'm done talking about it. We're, we're never talking about Hotbot again. It's just it's just dead yeah. to us. <laughs> until next week. This is Caleb saying you don't have to go home, but we're not going to talk to you anymore. But I don't mind it Mistaking me for someone who cares I'm just a dirt